Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, Moto America fans. This is Paul Carruthers, and I'm the marketing manager. No, I'm not the marketing manager. I'm the communications manager for... Moto America, and this is our podcast that we do every week called Off Track, and I do this with Sean Weiss. Uh, I'm in California. Sean is in Ohio, of all places, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to welcome him in now. And we've got a, I'm Sean. I'm excited today. We've got a we've got a, a kid that I know is going to be a really good guest. He's uh, he's a funny kid. It's a, he, he, I think you and I have talked about this before. I'm talking about Dallas Daniels, who is a, a junior cup racer, Liquid Molly Junior Cup racer in the Moto America series. But this kid is is funny because you and I have talked about this. He he has the exact same expression on his face, no matter what 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 is going on in his life, whether he wins or he gets a close second or whatever. He he his face doesn't seem to change. I've also found him to be like he's got a real dry wit about him, and uh, he's actually funny. Uh, you may not know it at first until you get to use, used to the way that he is, but he's a very funny kid and, and obviously a, a hell of a motorcycle racer. So um, anyway, I didn't mean to jump right into that, but um, how are you, That's Sean? Right. I'm doing well. You know, um, I, I have a lot of love for all of our riders, but I, I feel the same way with, with Dallas. He's a special kid because of what he's done in his career already. But you're right, that, uh, that persona that he has, that kind of affect he has on his face, it's like... I have to laugh because I'm always wondering, like, what's he really thinking? You know, is he and and then, you know, as you've said, he comes out with something that you didn't even know that it was going in his mind at the, at the time. So, um, but uh, hey, I know we got to get Dallas on quick, but I want to tell you quickly. Um, so, hey, these people for people that don't think you can fight City Hall. I did that today. I, I got a ticket for failing to stop at a stop sign on Memorial Day weekend. And I think the guy pulled me over because. He probably thought I was drinking, and I don't drink much, if at all. And we were we were leaving a place called Buckeye Lake Winery, um, but I don't usually drink wine because I'm not a fan. Anyway, the guy, the state trooper, pulled me over, and I denied that. It said that I didn't stop at the stop sign. I denied that I did. And being me and my uh, uh, overwhelming sense of right and wrong and justice, I uh, went to court and pleaded not guilty. I had my um, trial today and had a conversation prior to the trial with the prosecutor who is actually a lovely lady and i told her that um and was creepy again as i usually am but <laughs> <laughs> but she she actually decided she said can i hear your case and i said yeah i mean i i'm prepared to tell it to the judge but i showed a bunch of photos of the fact that there's no way from where the guy was sitting that he could have seen my car whether it stopped or not, it was it's a bad intersection for anybody to try to get somebody to, uh, for not stopping a stop sign. Anyway, she, she said, we're going to dismiss this case. Um, we're not going to go any further with it. Um, and I found out later she didn't she couldn't really say too much, but she kind of intimated that the guy was giving out tickets right and left that day. And quite a few of them were getting thrown out of court. So. I was kind of happy, but I walked out of there avoiding a $150 fine. I didn't have to pay the $85 court costs, and I didn't have two points on my license, which would have haunted me with uh, higher premiums for the next three years. So I'm very happy about the fact that I won that. That was pretty so good. You, you fought the law, and, and you won. And the law didn't win, yeah. yeah. And, and the prosecutor was hot. 
She was kind of, she wasn't bad. I, when she walked in there, I said, man, you don't look like a prosecutor at all. You seem too nice. And she goes, well, you don't look like a criminal either. And you've got too much of a smile on your face. And I said, well, all right, I think we'll do okay with this then. <laughs> well, congrats on that. That's, uh, you rarely hear uh, somebody comes out on the good end of something like that. Especially a state trooper. Oh my gosh. You know, the guy came, was in there. He had his sunglasses on and his hat on being all intimidating. And he walks in the courtroom and, you know, I didn't go in there yet, but he was all ready to intimidate me and I didn't even have to deal with him at all. So I even said after I'm like, Hey, can I go in and say goodbye to trooper Hale for it? And she said, no, I think, I think you can avoid that if you want to. I just wanted to ask him if he knew Mike Hale. That's all. He had the same last name. <laughs> oh, geez, Sean. I got pulled over by one of those troopers in, at Mid-Ohio one time, um, <laughs> and I actually, I, I, I was leaving the bar there. There was just a little bar across the street there from the track, and I think I'd had like one beer, but it was enough to like, I was like scared, right? And so this guy pulled me over under like the overpass bridge, and you know, they have the, well, you know, better than anybody, they have those big hats and everything like Smokey the yep. Bear guys, which we don't have in California, so they're kind of intimidating <laughs> to begin with. And then this guy made me do the full sobriety test, but I was fine. And then, and then I could tell he was just kind of upset because, you know, he probably figures if you leave that place, then you're drunk. And, uh, and he, you could tell he was upset that, that I wasn't. So he didn't get yeah, to take I mean, me to this, jail. This was the deal. It was, there's only really one road to get from where I live to this Buckeye Lake winery. So I can kind of understand why he was there, except he's out in the country and it's obviously Memorial Day weekend. Clearly, he's trying to catch, and he was hidden. He he couldn't, you couldn't even see where he was. So, you know, I think he thought he had somebody there. And just to add that thing about a stop sign was, it just annoyed the crap out of me. So I went over there and took a bunch of photos and I felt like, uh, you know, Perry Mason or something. I, I was completely ready to, to uh, I, I actually was welcoming the chance to talk to the judge, but the prosecutor didn't want me to go any further. He dismissed it. So that was good stuff. But. Yeah, happy. All right. Well, let's. We we probably bored Dallas to death. Well, it's a cautionary tale for Dallas since he just turned sixteen. He's going to be driving a car pretty soon, so he's got to wa watch for those bears with the sunglasses on too. So, <laughs> well, Dallas, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? We're good. Sounds like Sean's good. He didn't go to jail. I'm very happy. I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> So let, let's let's give the people a little information about Dallas. He's currently second in the uh, Moto America Liquid Molly Junior Cup uh, Series. He's 21 points behind uh, Rocco Landers. And Dallas is coming off of he, – he's had two big things in his life here of, of late. First of all, he, he won his first, uh, his first Junior Cup race at, uh, in, Ohio, in Utah, I'm sorry, at our last event. And then after that, he since he just turned 16, he was able to do his first uh, professional flat track, and he went and did the uh, singles class at Lima, Ohio, and was able to finish 11th. Uh, I think he qualified better than that, and I think he ran better than that in his heat race, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about that yep. when we get started here. But, uh, but yeah, Dallas has had a, a pretty successful few weeks here. He's one of those kids that... Uh, You've heard a lot about um, before you actually see him because he's he had a very successful um, I, I say career as a kid, which is kind of silly because he still is a kid and he's still in the middle of that good career. But you you did hear the name because of his early success, and he hasn't disappointed. I mean, he's 
He has, um, he's only won one race this year, but he's finished second one, two, three, four, five times to, uh, to Rocco Landers. And most of those have been extremely close finishes. And I could tell, I could tell, you know, around the, again, as, as we talked about before, his face doesn't show a lot, but I could tell that the second place thing was really starting to get under his skin. So it was nice to see him um, break through and get that first win because you could tell it was kind of a monkey off his back. And I think from here going forward, I think those two have shown that they're a step above the other kids. And I think these two will battle, you know, at every race uh, going forward, including, you know, next weekend at Laguna Seca. So Dallas, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about like for, for starters, how, how big of a relief was that to finally get that first win? Um, like you said, we had a bunch of close second places. Like our first one was the, race one at uh, Virginia where actually Rocco had to start dead last. So, I mean, I had sniffed, I have been really close to a win a few times. And then that happened again, both races at road America and then race one at Utah. So, I mean, I remember sitting on the grid race two Utah and I told my mechanic Mark, I'm like, it's gotta happen today. If it don't happen today, then I, I mean, you know, we're about halfway through the season. I don't know. You know, he's got so much confidence on us and I'm losing points and it, we're about too far away. And, you know, uh, we had that red flag in race two, um, and I was feeling pretty good that day. I was, you know, I had some good lines, and I could run his pace, and uh, he kept looking back during the race, so I could tell he was, you know, he was riding his hardest because he, he would look back, and I would still be there, and I think that was kind of bothering him a little bit, but once I got past him, I was like, I just got a lead, and, you know, luckily, we, I mean, we finally come out with the win, however close it was. It was super close. I know I thought I was to the line, kind of celebrated early, those. That was bad, but um, I mean, to finally get it, <laughs> to finally get it, it was just like, I mean, relief. Walking back to the pits, I remember just letting out a big, a big like air and just like finally is what I was saying to everybody. I couldn't say it enough and just, I mean, to finally do it is just amazing to show he's beatable and that we have the speed to win. Yeah, I mean, it's a good... It, it, as far as like the mental game of this, it's, it's good for you because you've shown him that he can, that you, you, you can beat him. And then it's also, you know, it, it also knocks him down a couple of pegs as far as like, Oh God, I can be beaten. So I think that sets up the rest of the season pretty good for, uh, for both of you guys. Right. Yeah. Dallas, it's not a, it's not a spec racing class, um, but it's it, there. Obviously that Kawasaki Ninja 400, it seems to be the overlord and dominant machine in that class. And when, when it's Rocco and you or anybody else, and you guys are that close together, what do you think as a racer makes the difference for you? Like, how did you get the win? You know, you said before when Rocco started from way back in the field and you would have thought, well, okay, there's a great chance for you to pull a gap and make something happen. And you can see you're at during the race, you're trying to pull a gap and get in front of him, but he, he hangs tight. Um, so how did, what did you do or what didn't he do that, that led to you winning this last race? And how do you, how do you do it again without giving away too many trade secrets, so to speak? Um, well, the thing with me and Rocco is we're so close to the same speed every weekend that neither one of us have enough speed to pull away from the other one unless they make a big mistake. So it doesn't matter who's leading or who's doing what you, you're going to have to show off your secrets. One of us is going to, because you can't break away. We're just too close in speed. Like at Utah, if he was leading, I was right on him. And if I was leading, 
he was right on me. So, you know, I like to lead personally. So what I did is just the last lap, tried to run as the best corners I could and try to be the best, you know, I, I obviously could the whole race. And, uh, it's really just about outsmarting him. I mean, you can't out, you can't out like outright, you know, be faster than him because he's the same speed as you. So you just have to be in the right place at the right time. And a little bit of luck's got to be on your side. You know, some of these tracks, you can get drafted right at the line like we've seen. So you want to be second, you want to be third, you want to be leading. It's just, you know, about you got, it's a big mental game and a big where you want to be on the last lap because you can lead. Like I said, at VIR, I can lead the first 12 laps or the first 11 laps, but it only matters if you lead that 12th lap. And yeah, that's all that matters. Now, Sean, I don't know if you know this, but I, and I just noticed it. I, well, I think they've only done it a couple of times, but when these guys get off the bike at some of these races, they're actually weighing them because I think they want to see the difference in the weight between different oh, wow. riders. No, I didn't know that. Top three. Dallas, how much heavier are you than, than Rocco? Do you, do you know? Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the scale when he's on there, but I'm willing to bet because they do it in kilos. I think I'm willing to bet it's about 20 pounds with our all all of our gear on. He's a small guy, and that plays a big factor too. Yeah, I was looking at some photos today, and 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 the difference between the two is, you know, when you look at photos of you guys on the bike, is it you can tell like yeah. there's there's a big size difference. You look like a linebacker, and he looks like a cornerback, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely small, but yeah. What? Why do they do that? Why? Why do they do that, Paul? Is that that's not a Moto America rule? Is it just something they're just trying to find out? I mean, what, what's going on yeah. with that ring? Yeah, it's just them trying to. It's just trying to get some more numbers on this to try to see why things the way that they are. I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not as big a deal anymore because of the the bikes being the same. But I think you know when the bikes were different brands and stuff. I think they're trying to come up with any different you know, scenarios that they could of why, why things were working the way that they were. I'm glad you shared that because yeah, I'm usually in the press conference getting things ready and you're down there getting, bringing the riders up. So I didn't even have any idea that was going on at all. That's, that's really interesting. They're going to start weighing us at the press conference as well. Just so you know, you might want to start losing some pounds before we get to Laguna. <laughs> oh man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. Why didn't you tell me that a week ago? At least it would have given me a little more. <laughs> well, of a I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So anyways, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's go backwards a little bit. 2017, did you only do the Pittsburgh round with us? Yeah, I was supposed to do New Jersey and Barber, but right after Pittsburgh, I went to Barber to do testing to learn the track and I high sighted and broke my wrist. So I didn't do Jersey or Barber. That's right. Now Dale says you, Dale Quarterly says you broke both. Did you break both or just one? Well, that was 2017. Then in 2018, I was training at New Jersey before Utah Motorsports Campus, and I broke both my wrists. So I had two seasons where my wrists were just taking beatings. <laughs> wow, how are uh, your wrists they, now? Yeah, that's what oh, I was they, say. they suck. Honestly, I think I've broken each one about three or four times. <laughs> wow yeah you may bad. want to start aiming you try landing on your head or something instead of putting those wrists out there to help oh yeah i know i gotta start breaking ankles <laughs> Damn, so, so dallas with your with your wrists i mean you you know i know just from uh modern i guess science or whatever they're understanding about growth plates and all that kind of stuff you haven't probably stopped 
stopped growing, have you? No, and every time I've broken them, they always say nothing. Every break's never affected the growing, the doctors always said. So I've been fortunate for that, too. That's good. So will your, will your wrist get stronger? I mean, obviously, sometimes you can't have a, too, no strength in any wrist is going to prevent a break. But it, I hope it's not going to be a problematic thing for you. Did they say if it would be? No, it shouldn't be, but it's just every once in a while, like, I can tell you when it's going to rain or something, like, they'll just start aching for no reason. <laughs> 16 well, years old, America, he's already got come in handy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so last year, you, you ended up 17th in the championship. Again, obviously not with a full season under your belt because of the wrist. Um, and you had a best finish of third at Laguna. Did you... Did... Did the these two years of of you know injury and 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 racing sort of on a part time schedule at least with Moto America did, did did you think coming into this year you had enough experience and you had you had everything going for you that you, I mean in other words did you foresee doing as well as you you're doing now? Well, when I got hurt um, at New Jersey right before Utah, I had me and Dale like Dale says on his podcast. Um, I had just really learned how to road race and it was right before Utah. And we, I think right, I just came off a podium and I think we could have went to Utah and got a top three, honestly. I don't know about when, but I think we could have went and got a top three. So that was really unfortunate. And then after I got hurt, just in the, in my head, it took me a really long time to come back and it clicked, you know, nobody really understands this, but once you, once you come back and you, you kind of got to figure out how to race again, like how when you break your legs, you kind of got to figure out how to walk again. It just takes one day and it'll click. You know, nobody understands that really. So we were out testing at Jennings, actually, and I was riding around and my body position was never very good last year. So I was just trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And I finally just one corner figured it out. And then I was like, I think we can, you know, at least be top 10, top five. You know, last year, I mean, I was an eighth place guy eighth, ninth, 10th, you know, last year was my first full year road race. And so I didn't really expect to come in and like do this well, especially right off the bat at Atlanta with two podiums. I definitely believe that we had the speed and we had the motorcycle, but I mean, to come in and do what we've been doing, I think is pretty incredible considering where I've come from and how long I've been doing this. Yeah. It's funny how things work out because like you said, you didn't expect it. Suddenly you're there. And then by the third race, you're like, oh man, well, you know, I got to win these things. And then all of a sudden the pressure Chill. starts to build like, oh, I'm getting second too much. And then now you've broken clean. So it's, 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 yeah. it's a pretty good transition for you. And, you know, congratulations on being able to come back from that injury like that, because I'm sure uh, mentally it, it plays a bit of games with you. Yeah. Thanks. And, you know, um, I never thought I'd be disappointed with second, especially coming off last year, but I was pretty sick of them after that fourth and fifth one. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, tell us, you know, when we talked to Dale, you know, Dale's, we love him. He's great. You know, he's been around forever regarding his racing and what he's doing now at, I think it was at VIR. I was over in your paddock area and he was, he was talking to you, Dallas, and he was saying something to the effect of, it, he's not going to win another race. He was talking about about Rocco to you. He's not going to win another race. You got this. You got this happening. It was like it was like listening to a a guy talking to a boxer. And he was 
not only very adamant about it, but I was a little scared. It was like a different Dale than I'm used to seeing. What What is it like with him? Is he pretty uh, intense with you? Um, and are, you're obviously able to take it. I mean, how, how does he handle you versus like Jamie Estadio, your teammate, and then he Ben's in there and, you know, Michael Barnes said he, he coaches him up a little bit too, but – um, what, what's it like you, for you to be coached up by, by Dale? Well, first of all, if you think Dale is any different with anybody, like even Jamie being a girl, he's not, he's the same <laughs> hard on anybody as he is. He would be on his own kid or whoever, but working with Dale is pretty funny some at some times, but it's also just Dale gives it to you straightforward. There's no bull crap. There's no jokes. There's no, I, you know, like ride it on and try to tell you the nice way when you come in he'll straightforward tell you you're going into turn one way too easy you're being a complete sissy man up and he'll say that to jamie and to me and that's just dale but also the cool thing about dale is he'll turn everything into a funny joke and put a funny analogy into it and he'll make you laugh and then he'll really get you to understand it because we're I mean, if you come over to our pits, we look like we're just having a stupid fun time. We're always laughing and stuff. But really, Dale's just making us learning fun. But then also, Dale doesn't mind, you know, manning up and being kind of a jerk sometimes, which is fine. But it's just his way. Mm -hmm. Now, you sort of have a you you have a, a Dale Cordley on the dirt track side, too, and Johnny Lewis, right? I mean, isn't isn't that someone you've worked with for a long time? Yeah, he's not as intense as Dale, but yes, I would call him my Dale Quarterly of Dirt Trick. Well, you're fortunate to have two of those guys like that because obviously Absolutely. that gets a lot of corners. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. Johnny's very, very good with Dirt Trick, and Dale's very, very good with road racing. So to have two pretty much experts, guys who have won nationals helping me is very awesome. Well, does it does it cross over? Does it cross over? So, for instance, Dale. You know, does any of the things Dale says to you help you in your, your flat track racing? And does it do any of the things that Johnny tell you cross over and help you in road racing? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dale's son, Alex, has actually been uh, trying out some dirt tracks. So Dale's been trying to learn and he'll help me out on dirt track stuff. And Johnny will help me out with the uh, road race stuff too. You know, maybe not like style or stuff like that, but stuff to do on the racetrack and you know, just, just stuff like that. It's not like they're, they both try to help me with each other one, but they just try to give me a little help. Let's talk a little bit about Lima with the fact that you had, that was your, that was your, basically your, your pro singles debut. Was there more pressure on you going to the dirt track and, and having that first big race than, than coming to Moto America just because of your background as being this, hot shit dirt track kid for so long oh yeah for sure i mean i only grew up dirt tracking and for me i've been very fortunate to have a very successful amateur career um i mean i've won the youth writer of the year the horizon award i think 15 championships and i've been really really fortunate to have good people behind me and good motorcycles and a good program to be able to go do that so to come to Lima, I mean, it's been about three years of hype, honestly, people uh, just waiting and waiting and waiting and family and friends waiting to come watch. And I remember coming in that morning and I rolled out a 
I can't. I was coming in from first practice, and the fan section that I had with t-shirts on was just insane. And to my expectations for the day, I just wanted to go. My team owner Tim Estenson told me just go have fun, no pressure from him. I was sorry, you know, I really wasn't feeling insanely amount of pressure, but everybody wants to see you do good. Nobody wants to see you fail. So I was obviously still feeling pressure, but I just wanted to make the main event. To sit on the front row was pretty crazy, honestly, and. I think I kind of choked up on the start and faded back to 11th, almost had a big crash. So, I mean, I wanted the top 10, but I'll take an 11th for my first national any day. And when to make one to, to make the main is, is a huge deal too. Yeah. And when is your next one? Um, well, we've talked with both teams because, uh, I'm going to, there's going to be some conflicting like Laguna conflicts with the next round New York. So, I'm going to be missing New York, so my next one will be the Sturgis Buffalo Chip and Sturgis Bike Week. Oh, good. Are you set up the same way as JD um, in that you're going to do the road races? And I mean, basically, when he's not road racing, he's going to flat track. Is that kind of the way it's going to be with you to Dallas? Um, pretty much, unless for some reason I have something big on and I get out of the points where I can't win the championship. Mm-hmm. but other than that yes pretty much the same thing yeah you're you're going for that championship obviously um yeah yeah dallas you had mentioned winning the uh the horizon award which of course is the ama nikki hayden horizon award and you were talking about in flat track but one of the really cool and amazing things about you is that you had actually won both the flat track and the AMA Nikki Hayden road racing award in the same year, which is the first time that's ever been done. So, you know, huge kudos to you. That's terrific. And along those same lines, I wanted to talk to you about what, what Nikki Hayden and what the Hayden family means to you, because um, as I understand it, the Hayden's kind of like what, what Earl did with Jake Lewis or, or what the Haydens have done with other riders and that whole Owensboro gang. Um, It sounds like the Hayden family has, has helped you along a little bit in your career as it started. Can you, can you talk about your relationship with the Haydens a little bit, please? Um, well, going back, my dad helped out the Haydens as they were little kids. So when they were coming up dirt tracking as young, young guys like myself, um, my dad was their mechanic taking them to the races and they would actually come stay at my dad's house, you know, before I was around, obviously, or, you know, our family now, but, um, so that's how we got our relationship with him at first. And then when Nikki passed away, Earl uh, called us and he, Earl's the one who really got us into road race and he helped us get the wild card ride and he helped us get connected with Dale. And so you know, Nikki never really helped me as a young kid because he was busy overseas and doing MotoGP and World Superbike. But um, the cool thing I have with Nikki is he helped me get my Rye helmet deal in 2016 um I, as a little kid i texted them i texted you know nikki hayden the world champion and was like hey can you help me out with helmets and he was like <laughs> yeah for sure so you know that just shows how nice a guy is and he was always willing to help but really earl's been the only one that's kind of been helping us along the way and now you know tommy is the director of operations on our dirt track team so he's helping and then you know rogers jd's fill-in riders so you know now it's kind of come full circle it's kind of cool 
That's pretty great. And also, it's pretty interesting that um, Earl thought of Dale. I mean, I know, you know, Earl was pretty close to road racing, obviously, when Nikki raced, but that's interesting that he, you know, they had a, he had a connection with somebody like Dale Quarterly. So that, that's pretty cool. I mean, Earl, Earl knows so many people. It's awesome. He's got great connections. Yeah. And then when uh, he helped me out with road racing, it kind of kept his mind off things. So he was, he was really searching and making a lot of phone calls and, really you know making it happen and with if he wouldn't have done that i i probably wouldn't have been road racing to be honest that's pretty great yeah you've also got a good relationship with jd beach right well yeah you know i've always looked up to jd from the beginning but i never really knew him and then when he um when he joined the team yeah when he joined the team he really like kind of took me under his wing and took a liking to me and my dad which was really cool like if you always see him at the road races he's always on the grid with me and he's always you know um helping me out the dirt track races and stuff and we like to joke around have a good time and when I was living in Arizona this this past winter he was out he would come out there and I would ride motocross with him and kind of got close to JD and now he's kind of like a big brother which is really cool for me and my dad because you know, JD's like one of the baddest guys around right now on a motorcycle. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a great story. Um, well, Jay, yeah. Go ahead, Sean. Well, I was going to say one of the things I wanted to mention, Paul, you, you always have all kinds of scoops. In fact, you told me a scoop today that I'm not going to give away, but it's a pretty cool scoop. And you heard it first. You usually do. Um, being the communication manager for Moto America, I can see why that's the case. But um, I have a scoop, and Dallas, it's, it involves Dallas, but it's not something that I'm going to tell you. I don't know if you know about this, but I'm not going to let it out of the bag other than to say that Dallas will have an announcement a week from this coming Friday. So it'll be the Friday that we're at Laguna um, that uh, is pretty cool, and I think the fans will really uh, like this thing quite a bit. But wouldn't you say, Dallas, this is going to be an exciting thing to, to talk about when, when it comes out? Yeah, it, it's going to be, I think, a pretty big deal, and it'll be very cool for sure. Paul, do you know wow. what we're talking about? No, I, I absolutely do not. So it just goes to show I, I don't know close to everything. <laughs> I've been trying for so long to get a scoop on you. I finally got one. <laughs> uh, now I need we to find can, out. Yeah. Well, we'll discuss it offline. We don't want to give it away until, uh, like I said, a week from this Friday at Laguna. But um, I think we're in good shape here now. So that's a good way to end it, I think. (laughs) Dallas, real quick, going going into Laguna Seca, is that a track you like? Um, It's actually my favorite track on the schedule. Got my first podium there. And obviously, Laguna is a very awesome track. So, yeah, looking forward to it for sure. Why? Why is a track? Why is a track from a, an Illinois flat tracker? Why is Laguna Seca your favorite track? Tell us about that. Um, I like all the up and down terrains, and Laguna's mostly lefts, so it really kind of suits my style. Ah, there you go. Yep. So I imagine you're expecting the same, a similar battle with uh, with Rocco that you've had at every round. Yeah. Yep. Expecting one-two finish. Me and him having to battle the whole race. Are you guys, um, I mean, he's, a, he's obviously a friendly kid and, and you're a pretty mild-mannered, nice kid yourself. But, uh, I mean, is there, there, there doesn't seem to be any friction there. I mean, 
you both seems like you're good kids and you get along well and you just go race each other. Is that accurate? Um, yeah, on the racetrack, obviously, whatever happens on the racetrack, keep it out there. But yeah, I mean, there's no, I, I think personally, there's no, uh, any bad blood between me and him or anything. You know, we haven't had anything go on on the racetrack that either one of us don't like. So, yeah, I mean, we're friends off the track, and we talk about the races every once in a while. Yeah. Hey, Paul, you've told this story. You told this story to, to uh, Rocco, which he wasn't aware of, but you were talking before about Dallas's sense of humor and the fact that he's got such a poker face, he's got a dry sense of humor. you got to retell that story again about, about Road America after after the uh, the podium. That, that's such a great story, and I want to get, get Dallas's reaction to it as well. Well, that, we're, we're in the golf cart going back from the press room back to uh, – I was taking these guys back to the paddock after the after the podium and the, and the press conference. And so uh, we're sitting up front. Uh, me and Dallas and and Rocco's in the back oh. with uh, <laughs> with Almedo, and we're driving. And next thing we know, Dallas and Rocco starts speaking guys, Spanish. Yeah, they're speaking Spanish like fluently. I'm like, what the and, hell else and, can this kid do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we look at each other, and Dallas says, "Oh my God, he's smart too." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's no way he's talking to Almedo in Spanish. And I, right. me and Paul, stop for a second. I'm like. He he is bastard. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. I was I, I was actually it. I I if somebody said okay this kid speaks Spanish I would have said there's no way that's just not happening right now and and yeah I would sure I would have told them they were a liar. Yeah, they and and then poor Dallas you know just got beat again by a fraction of a second and then now we got to sit here and listen to the kid speak Spanish so it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. how, how is your Spanish, Dallas? Are you learning Spanish at all to talk to Kevin? Um, no, I'm learning a little bit from Jamie and her parents, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, deal, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know what? If I was you, I would just show up at one of these races and be fluent in Chinese. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I should do French or something just to throw them off guard. Oh, that's good. Okay, guys, we got to let you go. I know you've got stuff going on, which is, which is cool. And uh, Sean and I don't have anything going on, so that's good, too. But um, so I will. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in a couple of well, a couple of weeks. Next week out at Laguna Seca, and and good luck out there, and uh, and good luck for the rest of the year. I think uh, I think this is going to be a really good championship that's going to go to the very last race, and obviously you two guys are going to go at it uh, go at it hot and heavy for the rest of the the season. So good luck with that, and uh, and thanks for joining us here on the on the podcast, and and we'll see you next week. Cool. Thanks for having right, guys. me. Thank you. Anytime. You guys take care. Thank you.